Good morning, good evening, good night. Whenever you're listening, watching, whatever you're doing, such is the media platforms that we run on now. You can watch this whenever you want. But round one in the NBL is done and dusted, and we've got talking points on and off the court. My main man, Pete Hooley, how you doing? Mate, I'm thrilled the NBL's back. Round one is in the books, and massive storylines already. The teams are playing well, teams are struggling, and then some crazy things we've already seen. Well, a lot of the talk came from the on-court product. Of course, the Hawks impressed, the Kings impressed more than I thought they would. But there was one moment that went viral, one 1.5 million views on the Twitter video originally posted by the NRL Roast. And we're going to roll that one right now. I think everyone knows what it's going to be. You've over-dribbled. 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 You've over-dribbled and you haven't even played. <laughs> that is the single best piece of mic'd up, probably in, in anything. Single best Peter for the piece of mic'd up coaching we've seen in the NBL. It's so raw and authentic that you love it. And that's what you're going to see from timeouts. And Connor Henry's come in with a bang. First game, and he's given an absolute spray. And whoever is not playing, whoever gets that the hardest spray from not even having touched the floor, <laughs> geez, you'd be feeling a bit stiff. See, I've copped some sprays not having touched the floor, but usually it was because I rocked up hungover. I'd been out the night before or something or like still, that. Still not because you're literally yeah. just sitting on the bench and mm. you get dragged up. But in his defence, he did also say that he over-dribbled himself. But it had me thinking about different timeouts that we've had over the years. Because mm. we've played a lot of basketball, and I want you to kick it off. I know you got two of these. Of the best timeout experiences you've had in your basketball career? Well, the first one was we had an assistant coach down in Ballarat. We had a head coach, all-time great, Eric Hayes, and then we had an assistant coach, Nathan Cooper-Brown. And then our other assistant coach was Tinny Fraser, who was he was a morale guy. Just How do you get the nickname Tinny? Loves tinnies. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he just keeps stats. So he goes his iPad, keeps the stats. And one time we were, we were getting belted a little bit and he turned around and goes, Tinny, what's their shooting percentage? And this man's watching the Tigers on his iPad. <laughs> and he goes, oh, Rewalsh just missed one. And we're all like, what are we talking about? So that's one of them. That was an all time because we were, he was getting a mini spray and this man's just helped us out because we were getting a bit of a spray. But... I know you've got a good one with the goat. Yeah, my one, Steve, it involves the goat. My one comes from Ballarat as well. There's something about Ballarat and shit timeouts. But Andrew Gaze, we know that he's not a defensive expert. No. He never was when he played. Even the Sydney Kings, they weren't exactly a defensive powerhouse. But we were playing, I think it was under-18s, and Gaze's coaching. We had a pretty stacked team, Dane Pinot, Jack Purchase, a few guys on there, very offensively orientated. You know my game pretty well, <laughs> yeah. very offensively orientated. But anyway, it was in juniors where uh, like a high score in a game is going to be like, 80 points. Mm. That's a big, big score. And we were playing woeful defense. And Ballarat weren't that good. But anyway, there was about eight minutes to go in the fourth. And Gazy comes to the timeout and he goes, the only way we're going to win this game if we score over 100 points. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've played basketball for a long time. I've been around. We ain't scoring 100 points. We proceeded the game to not play any defense yeah. and win the game about 112 to 110. Well, you've got the offensive power to do that, and <laughs> nothing's changed. So, Gaze, so we can blame Gazy for your lack of defense in your career. We can. My last one was from college, where college co- coaches are a bit crazy at times, and m- mine was definitely one of those. And we had a time when a young kid, he wasn't playing at the time, uh, Jacob Yardy, and he ended up being a starter by senior year, but he was a freshman at the time. Maybe he was a sophomore. And we were playing Bucknell. It's a guy by the name of Mike Mascala. plays for OKC oh, right now. Beast yeah. in college for Bucknell. Yeah. Had two points at halftime leading up, and Yardi decided to trash talk him <laughs> right in front of the bench. Proceeded to have 34 in the second half. Now, right towards the end, coach turns around and goes, and you, for saying this to Mascali, he's going to be in the NBA one day, and that's why you're <laughs> never going to be there. And I was like, wow. And I was like, well, he is in the NBA now, so you've got to feel pretty good about it. Well, I'll tell you what. I started this program by coming off the top saying that was the best piece of mic'd up stuff we're going to get out of mm. the NBA. Maybe, the, maybe it was... The best piece for the first game. Oh, no. 
But I tuned into the end of the game. I couldn't watch the whole game yesterday, but I just tuned into the end of the part. I know where this is going. And the great man Dwayne Pipe mm. just let one slip that I thought was a little <laughs> bit suspect and just a little bit questionable the, the terminology that he used. The belief was there. He knew what he had in Justin Simon. He knows what he's got in Tyler Harvey. We didn't see a lot of Justin Jessup's cream in game one. <laughs> hmm. Interesting choice of words, Dwayne Pipe. Now, Dwayne has come out with a bang this in round one. He is full of the one-liners. His bang is creamed all over the place. <laughs> he was, and I remember I was sitting right next to him, and I heard it, and I was thought, now, if anyone's going to pick this up and clip it up, it's going to be Felix <laughs> Quick. And that's why I felt bad for Dwayne. I was like, no, this is going to be clipped up. Felix is going to share it. He's all, on fire, Dwayne. All I know is I walk in the door to catch the end of the game. And at the end of round one, or the end of the first Hawks game, the one thing I wasn't thinking was, man... I wonder what sort of cream this dude has. <laughs> I wonder when we're going to see this guy's cream. Well, to credit to him, he went off for 25. He was outstanding. So if we see more of that, then I'm happy to hear some more cream. <laughs> well, anyway, something that had plenty of people creaming mm. was Josh Giddy this yeah. weekend. His performance <laughs> for the Adelaide 36 is absolutely dominant. It was close to a triple-double. Now, we're going to roll through a couple of his highlights here as we go, but we looked at LaMelo Ball's stat lines last year. And you look at the way he's playing. Look at the poise on him right here. Like a step back, the confidence. He knows that he's got the full respect of the coaching staff here, the full respect of the team to go out. And I'll tell you what, close your eyes now if you're a Josh Giddy fan. Because, ow! This was was the most impressive thing about him. Face first landing. This was all after. Went into double OT. Bang! That is is an 18-year-old kid. Like the maturity he plays with is incredible. And that's why he's going to be destined for great things. He is so composed and... We see it on Twitter. Engels is flying in there saying, give him the keys. He needs the keys because not only is he going to be able to develop and get to the NBA, but if you're an Adelaide fan, you want to see him while you can before it's too late. He's going to be gone after this should season. should be gone now. He, and he should, should be gone now. He should be in a training camp. But that was Cam Glidden that he made that last move on. The, when I first yeah. saw it, I was like, oh, who did he make that move on? You know, was it, was it a kid? That sort of stuff. Clutch so you've got, you got to look at who these moves are on. And that was a solid – because mm. he's going to be a big guard. That is a solid – move against Cam Glidden, a great defender. And this is after he literally landed on his face. And you could see he was a little dazed. He's ruled out for the first See his lip after the game? But delayed concussion. And straight away you could see – and he didn't want to go off. He was like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm winning this game. And he did. Credit to him. He is outstanding. He's got that giddy blood. It was a giddy. He's just got something about him and he's exciting. And if you're a Sixers fan, that's what you got to hold your hat on. And someone else we'll talk about it a bit later. But – Josh Giddy is a star. Where do you see him going, though? Because right now he's ranked at 34. And I hate doing all this sort of stuff where yeah, you overhype yeah. guys, but you've got to talk about it. It's not like we're just talking about one game. He was pretty impressive through the preseason. He was impressive in round one. LaMelo Ball put up the similar numbers. He got a triple-double, that sort of stuff. But he put it up with shocking field goal percentage. Mm. They didn't look like winning plays. He made tough shots at times. Shocking field goal percentage. They were losing games. They won a game in double OT off the back of an 18-year-old. He's... He's more mature in his decision-making than LaMelo was. Yeah, Lamello's, and don't get me wrong, and before people jump on me saying I'm a LaMelo ball hater, that sort of stuff, LaMelo ball has far exceeded expectations. Sure. His development within the six months of when he left the NBL to when he's playing in the NBA is unreal, and he suits that game better. And I'd say he almost suits the NBA game better than right now Josh Giddy's game suits the NBA, but Josh Giddy's got a ways to go with his improvement. And, and the development that you see in a year, like you forget about the, mm. the kid is 18 years old. The, develop, the development from 18 to 19, he's still potentially got some room to grow. He could finish this year at 6'9 with better handles, more game IQ. Like it's 
people underestimate how much improvement you can make. This isn't a 25-year-old going to 26. This isn't an 18-year-old going to 19. It's huge. His freshman year is supposed to be next season. Ooh. So that's what's even more scary. It I makes my, my college career feel so, yeah, so underwhelming. <laughs> I felt like Perry Ellis still going around <laughs> in college. Uh, I think it'll be first round because now it's been put on the map that people outside the – the Europeans, the Australians now who, who are coming through, that kind of game, the Luka Doncic type of game, is, can be successful from a young age. And he's got the height, he's got the length, and he's, the smarts that he plays with is unmatched. And that's what's going to do him wonders, which is why I think it's going to help him become a first-round pick. Josh Green went 19, and you hear um, the way Dallas want him to play. Like Mark Cuban's been defending him on Twitter saying, we want him to defend at a high level, get rebounds and energy. He's not scoring, whereas Josh Giddy can do a bit of everything. I think he's going to be a first-round pick. Yeah, I think the LaMelo comparisons are interesting because there's a lot of hype train that went around here. LaMelo sells tickets no matter what, whether he's playing well or he's playing mm. bad. But you look at a guy like RJ Hampton who played for a New Zealand Breakers. So the New, Zealand, New Zealand were a lot better than mm. Illawarra. The Hawks, yep. the artist formerly known as Illawarra. <laughs> but you put RJ Hampton on that Hawks team, does he potentially have a much bigger year? Does he get drafted higher? So you've got to sort of look at, I think the better sort of, you know, grading scale is the RJ Hampton team because mm. the Hawks are going to be similar to the Breakers in that regard. I think once everyone gets their feet under them and that's so the Hawks are probably a fourth place team. They're playing better than that at the moment. But I reckon they are probably a third to fourth team. The Breakers were definitely capable of that last year. Now, RJ Hampton didn't light the world on fire for the Breakers anywhere near as much as uh, Correct. Giddy did. Yep. So I think you sort of look at it, and Adelaide, again, aren't going to be a great team, but I think it's more of a comparison there with uh, RJ Hampton. Well, we've seen it. It's his second game, and he's won in OT after basically getting knocked out. So if he keeps going on this trajectory, it's going to be scary. And we don't want to overhype the kid. We don't want to... Well, he's number one pick. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't overhype, you got to overhype. He's speaking of guys, product. speaking of guys that, in my opinion, may have been overhyped at certain stages of the game. Let's flash back to a uh, last-second shot here from Casper, where it wasn't last second, but it was a game, uh, a pretty influential shot here. And you look at that foul, 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 foul shot. Now, originally, was this called a shot? Originally, it was called two shots. No, originally, both referees came together and said they had it on the floor. So both referees were on the same page with this. Now, so you've got the official. So I'm going to give my little piece on this yeah. one because there's two seconds left on the clock at that point. Correct. Casper wears in a step-back motion to shoot the ball. <laughs> He's not going to step back, wait, and then shoot it. He was in the motion to shoot the ball. Now, they've reviewed that, and they looked to review. When you look at the photo in a still frame, yeah, the foul's on there in his step-back motion, so he's not technically going up. But when the foul was called, it looked clearly like it was in the shot motion. Now, you've got the exact sort of breakdown well, the of the rule. So then the replay centre's been brought in now with the new rules for this year of the replay centre does it as quickly as they can and they tell the ref. So I think they'll be changing for this round that in certain situations... So the refs don't even have to go well, they to will the replay. Be, for the last two minutes, I believe they'll go over and have a look at it, but it'll already be queued up. But they're trying to speed up the game with have the replay centre quickly go on it. So as soon as the foul was called, they were clipping it up and they had... Both referees came to each other. They could hear him saying, I had it on the floor. I had it on the floor. Now, we saw in the clip... So both officials have said, both I've had it on the said floor. I had it on the floor. Now, this may have changed. If both officials, maybe one of them said, I had it in shooting, they said they'd have a longer look at it, but they went with what both referees had said. And then they said, you could see Scott Machado... It was an awfully quick review. Scott Machado's intent was to foul early. And you could see it. there was one there, there was another one there, and then there was another one right before he went into the shot. 
So when we saw the clip that was posted, uh, the screenshot was before Casper had been picking up the ball. Now, this is not the NBA, what people have to remember. I got caught up because I thought it was similar of as soon as the NBA rule is as soon as the referee's arm starts to move is when the foul has to yeah. occur. That's not how the NBA rules are written in the last two minutes. It's when the contact or the foul occurs. So the replay center shows that it was early and the reaction, depending on how mature the referee is, how many games they've done or when they can do it, you, you could see what Machado, he let that one go, Then it went, and then it went a bit uh, – it definitely went late, but it, the NBA spoke to Adam Ford, and they were both on the same page. They understood everything. The replay would have been a little longer had one of the referees – But when are they calling – when they review that – so say if the refs had to call that a shooting foul. Yeah. And then they review it and they say, no, it's on the ground. Could they have overturned that? So if – Or is it the call? Are they reviewing the call from the – are they reviewing the whistle or viewing the call? So the, the call was a foul, so they're trying to find where that first foul was on the call. So that was what they were looking at because – But what happens right if the before. first foul is two seconds? Like in that play, for example, he fouled him twice before right. he actually got into the shot so motion. Then, if you're reviewing the play, are you reviewing – can you call the previous one a foul? What are you that's what, I, Mike, that's what I asked. I said – so they said basically because both referees on the floor came together and said I had it on the floor – they found that f- the footage and they were happy with that decision. Now, if one of them had said I had it in shooting, it would have been a longer review, I believe, and they would have really clipped it down and then brought them over to probably look at it and figure out. Well, I think it should be a lot. And, and uh, it's a bit hypocritical because last year we were saying, how are these reviews so long? Yeah. This is ridiculous. And they, that's what they're trying and to And now we up. get one quick and we're saying, oh, that was too quick. Yeah. <laughs> and they, too quick. But we've seen other ones around where it looks like the play stopped and you can hear like Michael Allen saying they're reviewing it in the replay center. They're trying to get everything right. That just seemed like it was quick. such a pivotal call. Such a pivotal call. Either way, it's going to have one team's not going to be happy. You don't want. Do you to think they got the call right? I do think they got it because yeah. I think you don't want to see it ended that way. And you could see Machado's intent early was they had a foul to give. But there's a difference between intent and what you're actually doing. Well, the hard thing is now because you try and foul, you worry about it on sports and like wrapping up. That's why I like the touch. I've got my hand up. I'm fouling, but they don't have that here. So I, I think it's it, it's literally when you look at that footage, it's almost too close to tell that it's a 50-50 call. And if it's a 50-50 call, you've got to go with what the officials on the floor have said. Right. And also, even if they'd split it, benefit of the doubt, you've got to send that to the sideline. You can't decide the game on a 50-50 call. So I think it, it went from potentially being the worst foul of the night <laughs> to the best foul of yeah. the night. But I want to touch on Casper Ware as well while we're on this oh. because he's currently sitting at 2 the 35 over his last, can't remember the exact amount of games it is, but from the, the three-point three, line. Yeah. And again, you're only down two. I is that the shot you go for with the form that he's seen? And he's never been he's never been a clutch player. And I've said that for a while. You have when you talk about go-ahead shots, Casper Ware has never been that reliable. Unbelievable player needs to find his rhythm again. One of the best players in the league, but when the game's on the line, he's continuously let teams down in that regard. Only reason I wouldn't potentially have gone with him for the last shot because he hadn't really hit any leading up to it. Because we know if he hits a couple, he feels good about himself. And he came out, hit his first few shots, and I thought he was destined for a big night because he's going to have to for the Kings. But then kept missing some open ones. So I would have loved to see Jarrell Martin get the ball because Didi Lozada flashed. And then as soon as Castle was inbounding it, everybody knew that it was coming back to him. Everybody. It's tough because he did get a good look. He got a great and not, look. Like, we're not looking at this and going, oh, shit, play. It's just, mm. well, you, you have look, at the, they look at the guy's shooting percentage and you, is that the, really the direction you're going to so go? So another thing that was, the only thing was wrong, there was supposed to be, I think, a couple milliseconds put back on the clock. So that could have changed things of, I would have loved to see a Drell Martin come and get it and then Casper come off and you have the keeper. You've got time to get to the rim, as you said, with the, how close the game was. 
He did have a good look, and it looked good. I'm sure where he was standing, it looked like it was going to yeah, be so good. Did, so did the other 35 long. that only two of them went in. Yeah, and that's the way I think we're going to talk about him a bit later. But that's the way Casper, if he's feeling good about himself early, which I thought he was, and he can kind of fill it up, haven't seen it for a long time. You can tell he's in that little bit of a mental gas. Oh, it's big of a mental. It's, it's a rut to the definition of it. But anyway, it's time for shit takes. And unfortunately, oh, I couldn't find anything on Twitter this week. Oh, it's plenty. There was just, because I was too annoyed. Oh. I was too annoyed from game one. Oh, jeepers. The NBL stat keepers, scorekeepers, three blind mice, whatever you want to call them. It's more than three. Whoever is watching, is it more than three people? I don't know. How many people are on the bench actually keeping stats? That's a great question. I wouldn't have a clue. Because, okay, NBL fantasy is a huge thing. I don't personally play. I like the stats for other reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Wonder what that could be. Gamble responsibly. But the stats and getting them perfect are so important in a professional league. Mm. You look at the AFL. If there's one disposal off, and I know Champion Data runs the AFL, I'm not sure who does it for the NBA, but whoever it does needs to be ashamed of themselves. And I'm not sure whether it's them or whether it's the people sitting at the sideline that are meant to be registering these things. But how can you... You've got obvious assists. Oh, hmm. McCarron had two assists. I went, to the, I went to the score shed. Oh, he's got three now. He probably needs one more to cover his 4.5 line. They've got him for one. I don't know. What the? I'm not actually sure. This is a professional yeah. league. I wish it's we... an assist. It's a, a basketball assist. It is a rebound. Review it after the game if you have to. But there's important stuff. People play this fantasy stuff, and those games go down to the wire. Yeah. Such is the scoring system with the NBL that there's not huge difference. It's the AFL. Uh, you miss a handball here and there. It's not that much. You miss a rebound in fantasy. You miss an assist in fantasy. It's a big impact. And there's a lot of people that take a lot of pride in their teams and they enjoy doing this sort of stuff. It's such an easy thing to get right. And even even if you have to review it after the game and correct it, then do that. But that was inept, and there was a couple of games this round where it was. You're looking at the stats. You're like, I've seen this dude get three rebounds in the last three minutes, and you've got him listed as one. This is people's jobs as well. They're averages and imports averages. So McCarran, he's out here trying to be the best point guard that he can be for this team. I guarantee you went to the goal-setting meeting at the start of the year saying, okay, yeah, I want to average four or five assists. For sure. They get at the end of the, the end of the year when they're working out his contract for next year and say, oh, you only averaged three. Yeah. The dude averaged six, but the stack keepers were too busy watching screens up in the air. I don't, I don't know what the actual – the assist is – I don't think it's – I'm not sure. You have to, we have to find out if it's a, uh, a rule across the league or it comes down to a discretion, I think. Uh, for some reason, I've got a feeling it is a discretion thing, but let's get to the bottom of that before next week. The rebound one is an interesting one. Now, this is something... It'd be a discretionary thing, but where's the discretion yeah. there? Like, the discretion is clearly way, way lopsided well, on the not side the of NBA. not giving them the a NBA, NBA, you can inbound the ball and if a guy gets all the way to the rim and from the other end. <laughs> yeah, we do love, we love it. it. We never take the unders. We but love it. It. it matters for... Oh, sorry. I lost my pen. Uh, it matters <laughs> for... For players like, especially when I played, that I wasn't a scorer. I was trying to get assists and I was trying to do all these other things. So that stuff did matter to me. So there's plenty yeah, of players in the league. And I'm sure there's players that are pissed off when they check the box score at the end of the game. Yeah. I know people, oh, we don't play for individual stats and everything like that. But I'll tell you what, individual stats go a long way to get you an extra 20, sure. 30, 40K on the back end of your contract. The rebound one is one I want to talk about. And this is where... The rebounds... You can't mess up rebounds. No, like assists, I, I can understand that's discretionary. Oh, did he take a dribble? The NBL right now, if the person look, darts their eyeballs, it's not an assist. I want to see the rebounds done like the NBA, where if you have a controlled tip, so if you are underneath the room and you control tip it out to me and we're on the same team, that's your rebound. Yeah. The NBA does that that way. So if you're in there and you get a last hand on it, tip it out, then it's your rebound. That's not how we do it. You saw a couple last night where the trees are in there and there's eight people and then Cam Oliver tips it out and, or someone and it goes to Scott Machado, Machado's rebound. I was like, well, yeah. 
That hurts Cam Oliver because he's done a lot of work down there. That's where I'd like to see something change is that controlled tip. I don't again, I don't know the rules. Statisticians, that's their job, but you know, it's a tough word to say, statistician. Statistician. Yeah, I know it's a tough one, but I'll tell you what, I reckon it's a couple of unpaid interns that are sitting down there doing it at the moment. Oh, Come on, harsh, NBL, mate. lift your game here. We've harsh. got stuff depending on these numbers. Players, contracts, fantasies, everything in between. But anyway. Yeah, I, I, the favorite, uh, that's my favourite segment, mate. You now get that so I, to calm down, I love yeah. that. I was yelling at the TV. Again, yeah. that, oh, man, I was, I was angry. But anyway, Cream in play one. or out of bounds, replacing imports in the COVID era. Now, you raised this one to my attention. I didn't even think about it. We're dealing in a time at the moment where it's, mm. one, it's expensive, mm. damn near impossible to get a flight. Yeah. Two, 14 days hard mm. quarantine. That's why we got old mate there in the corner. Yeah, old mate's there. Old burn atomic. Yeah. Girlfriend can't wash her hair. Poor soul. <sighs> We do sympathies. But that is, that's quite a big thing to think about it because imports this year are going to be struggling more than they ever have because they're away from families. And I know there's already a bit of that going on behind the scenes with mm. a few imports. What happens there? Can you afford to let an import go and bring in another one? It are is. we just going to have it like, like Donald Sloan, for example? Mm. Has it really performed up to expectations at the moment? And in no way am I calling for his job yeah. at the moment. Round one. <laughs> yeah. Round one. But he's probably one of the more underperforming imports of the season so far. What position are Adelaide in? If they were to get an import, it's the season's tight knit. You might miss six games in 14 days, damn near. Dude, that's why I thought about it straight away because every year something happens. You have import injuries. You have imports not performing. You need to get some late piece to try and get that championship push. It happens every year. Yeah. You don't get through a whole season without And that 14 days imports. quarantine is going nowhere. Nowhere. So that was my first thought of, hang on, well, what, do you make that decision early where you say, okay, this is what we're doing. We've got an import here. Hey, Donald Sloan... Play for the next two weeks, and when, when we're and it's a bit unfair on Sloan because he's a good little. He looked a lot better in the seen. two with Giddy at the one. But that's, so we're giving him the. Benefit and I'm sure well, Giddy's out now, so he's going to get a chance. But it's just going to happen. There's going to be imports around the league where that happens. It just that's the nature of basketball. When you're an import in any league, you have that opportunity where if you're not performing or something's happening, but it's normally it's like that. You're like, well, we've got someone waiting. And what else is interesting is there's no real other leagues going to get someone from, especially no. like a locally of, oh, we need someone straight away, NBA And we one. talk about the calibre of imports that we need. The NBA now is extending their yeah. roster, which is something we're going to talk on next week mm. because it's a little bit fresh at the moment, not sure exactly where that's going. But if the NBA is increasing the roster size, you probably lose a couple of those G League guys and those guys capable of being an NBL import to the point where a replacement import. Because if you're bringing in a replacement, they're usually guys like Casper Ware came into the league late. Guys that are really accredited like, okay, well, if we're going to pay this dude out potentially or give him an extra couple of months is usually what you've got to give him if you get rid of them, you've got to foot the bill for that. So you better be bringing in someone who can hoop. Well, that and you've got the quarantine bill, but you've got like to fill the gap in the meantime while they're in quarantine, normally you can grab someone who's been playing or is ready or in an NBL one or is around training or something. There's no league going right now. So no one's yeah. in that shape ready to go. So that is just going to be the huge thing of – the injuries is the big one for imports. We've seen it all the time. You don't want the missing their families. There's so much that can go into everything. And, and that's a big point on the, on the league in a whole because on this we like to criticise players and we say mm. who's playing well, who's, who's not playing well. But I feel like I'm going to take a bit of a back seat this year in terms of individual player critic. Yeah, if a player plays terrible, like like Casper Wears, I've, I've come at him a couple of times just because he's been really, really out of form. But we've got to remember that some of these guys are stuck on the road away from their families like New Zealand. <laughs> 
Probably going to be a little bit tough to judge anyone's performance this year from the breakers individually. You know, if guys have a tough, tough year, Finn Delaney has a tough year, Webster has a tough year. These guys are away from their families, away from their homes for long, long periods of time. We can say all oh, this tough and up, deal with it. People will deal with it, but it has it has it takes a bit of a mental toll. We saw it in the AFL. Brody Grundy had a shocking year. You can usually put that down to social people that are away from their norms, the things that keep them in check, their, their break away from basketball. There's a lot of guys that won't have that this year. So I think we've got to be a little bit careful when we come at guys. This guy's over oh, six. You know, no Glidden doubt. wasn't shooting well. You know what? Glidden's got kids and a wife. I don't know whether they're up there with him at the moment or what it is, but you, you've got to take that into account. No doubt. That these guys are in a tough environment. Which is why you want to see – you don't want to see anyone go home. You want to see people thrive in every situation, which it's still early. You get the chance. And I think a lot of coaches and clubs are going to take that into account and say, we know what you're going through. We're going to help you through this, whether you come off the bench for a little bit, just certain aspects, and that's what we want to see. How long do you reckon that's going to last? I'll be cussing every player out next week. Well, it depends (laughs) if they over-dribble or not. (laughs) That's time for our hot or cold, and we're going to start off with with one that I reckon we're going to talk about all throughout the year. This could Mm. be the most loaded year for Rookie of the Year award, the most hotly contested award. I'm not even going to ask you whether that's hot or cold at the moment because that is clearly hot. Well, that's a segment. It's hot. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. There's just so We'll roll many. through the names here. We've got Yanni Wurzel. Oh, he was Dominant first incredible. round. He looked good. It's going to be interesting when Pinot comes back in, how those sort of two work together. Justinian or Justin Jessup as uh, Dwayne Justinian. Pine. Or, Justinian. Or the real one. <laughs> Giddy, Mojave King needs to lift a little bit. Luke Travers. Yeah, believe is a DP. We're not sure how he can qualify or what it is, but I know the kid's got a bucket load of talent. DJ. Jack White, who I was woefully wrong ah. with, saying that he wasn't ready for the NBL, probably the worst call of the season so far. And I didn't say he was bad. I just said that he was potentially need a year to work into his body and work into that sort of hustle player that he needs to be. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> I think he's doing a pretty good job of it. Well, he's learning from Dave Barlow, one of the best of who we've seen for so many years. So, But the rookies all around the league... I, I'm glad you said his name first, Yanni Wetzel. He was really surprising for me. That was an incredible game, the way he played. And it will be – I don't know how long Dane's out. I'm waiting for you to give us the official word because you're, you're on the inside. But, oh, there, there you go. So, But Yanni, he looks so ready to go, really solid. And he wasn't someone – he's like Dane where he doesn't demand the ball. He just gets in the right spots, does he's the right smoking. things. He is a smoky. DJ looked good. He looked really good. And but the thing with DJ, look good. and that's the thing, he's going to need to pick up the scope. Vasilovic, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, DJ Vasilovic. We'll talk about the other DJ a little bit yeah. later on. But Vasilovic, now he's the sort of guy where he's never met a shot that he doesn't like. Mm. So he's going to have some games where he has 20 as a rookie, and he's going to have some games where they're going to be saying, DJ, relax. Yeah. You're 0 for 10. Yeah. Give the ball to Casper. He's going to have some games like that. It's just the nature of the player that he is. He's he's on my all-NBL green light team. Oh, yeah, 100%. Kyle Adams on there as well. Is he on uh, Dwayne Russell's all-cream team? Yeah, he would be after that game. He played really well. <laughs> cream Merka, cream Merka time at the Sausage Dome. Merka, how good was that? All-NBL oh, green a, team. Yeah, all-NBL yeah. cream team. Green light team for me. <laughs> That's a green team. <laughs> we can make this a segment. Hot or cold? Casper Ware in general. Hmm. I know you're cold on this. And the way he's been shooting and he's struggling with this is where I like to see Casper. Answer the question. He's cold right now. You can see it. And he's 6 of 21 and he just looked deflated afterwards. And there's going to be a lot in that. That's why he came back. He had that chip on his shoulder. He wants to What do you do as Adam Ford? And Adam Ford showed his prowess as a coach. And I'm so happy this happened first round of the season. And me as a Kings resident hater, apparently. I guess everyone would be happy that they lost, but I'm not. I actually want Adam Ford to win games because I think he deserves it. Mm. But that was good. That was, I think that's that's taken any pressure with the Kings right now, how well he coached that first game. He did, and he's going to keep trusting Casper. He, he's your marquee man. He's, he's coming back. But how long can you keep that trust? How long can you give him that final shot of the game? Well, it's only the first game. So he's, he's two gonna, for 35. Yeah. Across his, I think it's last... I've got to get that. No. But this it's is a lot like, of games. And this is something that I've spoken about Casper before. I think he is at his best when... 
he's getting that mid-range jumper when he can get there and break people down and get towards the rim. He, I think he's just settling too much for the three ball that he's not hitting. And yeah, I agree. I want himself, to see him get to get into the. He's paint. trying to get himself out of that funk where. We see him when he roll, when he's hitting a couple of those mid ranges coming off, and he did that when I played with him. That mid range jumper won us multiple games because he just kept coming off, and no one respected it. Falling in love with the three, trying to—it's like quicksand. He is in quicksand right now. He's the harder he's fighting, the deeper he's sinking with that three ball. Try and get to what else you're good at, and it is. But you can see him really fight, yeah. and he was devastated after missing that three last one. Like he is just in that mental zone of. He's fighting, and I'm sure he's putting in that work. You know, what do you, what do, you do as Adam Ford? Do you bring him off the bench? Do you spark something under him? Do you I just say, gonna... "We're going to spend a game here, just get in the paint. We're running high that's, on ball every that's time." It. And that's what I think. The only way I don't think you bring him off the bench. I think what you do is that high on ball. You come in, even if you've got a wide open three ball, get your feet in the paint, that mid range jumper, or get to the free throw line, and then work into the three ball because he loves. Casper loves a heat check after missing a couple. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and that's what he does. But when he starts to roll and feel good about himself, that's when he can put up those 30-point games that we used to see for Melbourne United. See, I think it's weird that even last year, Casper was so dominant in those games against Melbourne. Mm. And they were you, you look at the set, they were complete outliers to his performance in the season. That's why it leads me to believe I'm not going to sit here and tell Casper where how to play. The dude is 20 times the player that I ever was. So I'm not going to sit here and tell Casper, well, you need to do this, you need to do that. But he's got to find something in there mentally to fire him up the same way that he does when yeah. he goes against Melbourne. And he's a Drew like he's a Drew League player. Like he's he's played in the Drew League. It's a real momentum type guy. So I don't know what he does to fire himself up to play against Melbourne, who he feels wronged him. But find that every single week and you'll be the MVP of this league every single year. What doesn't help him, I think, is DD going one of whatever. You need you need DD. Yeah. To, you need someone else, like even if it's DJ or someone. Drell Martin looked really good in limited minutes. So you need someone else to take that pressure off him because he's coming in to prove something, coming off an average year. But he can't put the pressure on himself saying, we lost Tate, we lost Bogues, I've got to take 20 shots, I've got to average 25. It'll come. You, you know it'll come, but just try it. Easier said than done. That's yeah, the, why we sit the, here. The Kings in general look far better mm. than I expected. The, the, the intent in their ball movement yeah. was elite. Mm. And it wasn't just, you know, you get teams where they're just like, they're just moving. Our oh, coach said, move the ball. Let's move the ball. They were just stop, look, move, bang. Extra pass every time. It was it was fun to watch. Was Adam Ford the best looking coach of the weekend? Look good on the Ooh, side. The with the tats suit. coming out. The cream it. suit oh, with the tats. The bang. Beard. Bang. Anyway, hot or cold, United will go undefeated. The famous Jock Landau quote. I'll tell you what, it was looking pretty ominous after that first game. Well, it was. They didn't look good. Great in the first half. They missed a lot of bunnies and they just turned it on. But I think they'll de- they'll definitely lose a game. There's too many games this year, but it's the way in which they have different guys who can come in and impact the game. The one guy I mentioned a lot when we learned through the preview, Udai Barber looked really good. He looked good. Every single guy on this team that I thought, okay, I didn't think Barber was ready. Mm, I don't think that Jack White was ready. JLL, JLA, J- I like Joe Thawal. I wasn't sure whether he was going to come into his own this year. I thought that he would still be a little bit rusty. Dave Barlow, I was like, oh, he's aging a bit. Every single one of those guys made me look like an idiot. Yeah. Because they came out hard and they looked fresh. Yeah. And they look like and – they, and they're playing with that swagger, which I something that I said is when you make those comments, Jock, like do it. And then just back it up and play that way. There's been certain teams Hobson that have had played four that points. way. And they won by 20-odd. And they won by 20-odd. And we're not – Adelaide is not a good basketball team. No. We'll say that now. Yeah. Josh Giddy's a great player. I think Con Henry's actually a solid coach. Mm. But Adelaide is not a good basketball team. But I'll tell you who is good. And we're going to go on to the next thing because we've been going a little overtime today. Mm. Hot or cold, the most underrated player in NBL history. Not just NBL now, NBL history. And I know the historians will come at me with a whole bunch of random guys yeah. I've never heard of. 
DJ. Daniel Johnson, the Adelaide 36ers. Oh, he's definitely up there, man. Like, he is. He's averaging 30 this year. And I know we're only two games in, but I looked at his points line and it was like 20. And I'm like, oh, DJ's not going to get 20. I do this every – I reckon I've done it 100 yeah. times over my lifetime. Oh, DJ's not going to cover that. DJ's not going to score that. Bang, 30. Bang, 18 in the first half. Every single time. We've taken him for granted for sure. And he is just so unique. He's seven foot, but he can put the ball on the floor. And he's the slowest, quickest big, if, if that makes any sense. Like his first step can get past yeah. you. And then he's just so slow. But he draws foul. So the thing and, is. And doesn't miss free throws. Yeah, he doesn't miss free throws, which is a huge thing for bigs. But even when he gives that little up fake, he takes half the shot clock to get around his guy. But he leans into them and draws He's a foul. So it's disgusting crazy. to watch. The only other one that I quickly looked at was before was Dusty Reichardt. It was it must be a Sixers <laughs> Brisbane thing. But he DJ is we can't keep taking him for granted. I've seen plenty of Adelaide people say, yeah, but he doesn't play defense. But man, when you're putting up 33 on such an efficient thing, let's give the man his the efficiency. Props. Yeah, I'm more than happy if you've got a big man. It's not like he doesn't play any defense at all. <laughs> he's no. not shocking. He's just not, but he's not built to be. A yeah, defense. yeah. I think people just want to find anything for some reason against Daniel Johnson because he's just he's, he's not an exciting looking guy. He doesn't play an exciting style, but he just gets it done year in year out. He's kind of like a, like Thomas Abercrombie. He gets a bit more credit, yeah. but he's another guy where it's like. When you step back and you look at these guys' careers, and I think the one thing that hurts Daniel Johnson is the lack of boomers' representation and stuff like that, which is a whole mm. another kettle of fish about where that's gone. And apparently it is more on his side than anything else. What is really frustrating when people always overlook Daniel Johnson is he's done this on really good teams, Sixers teams, and then really bad teams. He's just been a consistent scorer, an efficient scorer his whole career. And you've got to give this – to do that on really bad teams and really good teams – that takes some skill. You know, yeah, because he's never in the talk of MVP. He's never, it doesn't help that the Sixers don't do that well, but never in the talk of MVP. Not really in the talk, you know, the narratives around, you know, it's hard to get most improved, but first team, second team. He's just not usually in these narratives. You know what? It's not as exciting. He's exactly. not new. He's a known commodity. And, and I'll tell you what, we're just going to take this moment to show some respect to Daniel yeah. Johnson, who I one of my favourite players to watch. I love him. He's a good mate of mine as well. And I, when I had the year of practising with the Sixers, I just loved... When you get to know him, he's a unique character and he's a great bloke and I'm glad that he's playing this So you've way. got bias. See, I have no bias. I don't know the bloke from a bar of salt. He's No, but this is what he deserves. He deserves, I'm glad we're talking about, he deserves this credit. And his game's speaking for himself. And one thing I loved, he showed emotion in the other game. He got fired up and flexed. Robot, isn't he? Maybe that'll put some more eyes on him. People will be like, oh, wow, this man, this man can go. At this stage of his career, if we're still looking for eyes, then there's yeah. an issue. But anyway, that's all we've got time for this week. We've got another whole set of games coming up and I'm sure a couple of new storylines and some more stuff for me to get pissed off at. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.